Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Why the Cast Man, a podcast. Why the Cast Man? Why the Cast Man? I don't know why I'm four episodes in. I shouldn't be surprised that you're doing that at the beginning, but I'm surprised every time. Every time. I'm it's, surprised it, I'm saying it. It's a pleasant surprise, is what it is. This is a podcast all about Why the Last Man on FX on Hulu. We're going to be talking about season one, episode four, Karen and Benji. The latest episode here. Yes. Now, requisite spoiler warning here. If you haven't watched it, please do go watch it because we're going to spoil the heck out of it in a second. But to give you a very brief recap of what goes on here. First of all, 355 and Yorick are finally on the road yes. having classic mix em ups. Just a just uh-huh. a goof of a goof a minute. Is what's it's going a classic on here. road trip. Classic situation. road trip. But a lot of this episode is about the two of them figuring each other out and eventually meeting in the middle there a little bit uh, as they clash with people on the road. Scavengers, people at markets. Yorick uh, thinks he sees Beth and ends up getting seen as a man. So that may have serious repercussions down the road. Um, meanwhile, yeah. Hero and Sam are on the road themselves and decide to take a pit stop at a house that turns out Probably to be a very bad idea. It remains to be seen how bad that is. But ultimately, Hero gets them stuck there. I, I think we could argue about it, but I think it's pretty clear. She cuts the brakes or something like that on the car. That was, oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Out of town. Uh, they ultimately meet up with Nora and her daughter. So we finally get those yes. two storylines coming together. And they get taken in by a group that is shacked up in a Costco-type place. Um, so ultimately they seem to be in a better place by the end, but again, TBD, I guess we'll see what happens there. There's some stress involved with that. There's some stress involved. And that's pretty much it. We don't get any of the Washington stuff this episode, right? It's, uh, all focused on these two storylines as they run in parallel, which I thought was interesting. What did you feel about this episode with that removed from the equation? Uh, broad takeaways. I like this episode. I like that we are getting, um, I'm surprised, actually, I mm-hmm. should say, that um, that we're getting people coming together already. And we sort of, I feel like everyone's sort of close by, uh, out of nowhere already. Like, even uh, Yorick in 355. Yeah, I mean, there's not really, it's a little frustrating because there's not a sense of geography going along. Not that we need one of those Indiana Jones-style maps with a little red line going across it as we follow Yorick in 355, but... Very rarely used in other uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> genres. Dun, Don't see a dun, lot dun, Anyway, it'd be great if we personally had a little red line that we could check up on each other. I do. I'm tracking everybody every episode and I have no idea where they are. There just feels like there needs to be a little bit more in terms of side markers where everybody is to the point that you're saying. Like they talk about it a little bit, but without an innate sense of geography, uh, which I don't have. I think Mm. there could be a little more explanation there of, wait, why is Nora where Hero and Sam are? What exactly is happening? Here's the thing. I actually don't mind that we're not getting. I don't need to know where they are. 
I'm just surprised that they're already coming together so hard. I thought we would get oh, okay. a little bit more widening of the group, and then eventually, honestly, like having Nora bump into Hero, I was like, oh, this gives a per- more of a purpose and direction to Nora. Yes. She is going to be part of Hero's story, or they're going to share a story. Because that's something I, th- I feel like I was like, I don't know what's happening with Nora. It's just a problem. Um, uh, for her, life is a problem. And the fact that York and 355 are also, because, I mean, this this show is very cool about exposition, mm-hmm. um, but I think we're meant that the woman with the gunshot wound at the end is the woman that three five five shot. Uh, oh, okay. I didn't pick up. I, on that. I don't know that. I don't know that right. for sure. That was my assumption. Okay. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So they're pretty close. It just felt like if we're gonna have it was similar shoulder gunshot wound. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, if we're gonna have a gunshot wound in both sides of this one episode, it sort of has to be the same one, right? But it puts them very close to each other. Yeah, and uh, to your point, I definitely didn't pick up on that, so kudos to you. But I, yes, it definitely puts them in the same place. They could be maybe 10% less coy about it, I think. That's fair. Um, (laughs) But in general, I do like that this show plays it. They're like, you think about it and figure it out a little bit, or they mm-hmm. trust that their story they're telling is sort of giving you enough details, like with the car thing. Like, Hero walks out to the car and it sort of looks dramatically back. It's like, oh, she fucked with the car. Yeah. And then we sort of see that the car's not working. It's not as explicit as maybe other shows would treat it, but I like that. At the end of the episode, when um, the sort of woman, the boss woman, comes in and saves essentially Hero, Sam, Nora, and her daughter, like, it's like, oh, she's a hero. And then I was like, mm, she seems like she's going to be bad also, maybe. It has big Walking Dead energy in that moment. Yes. The, this new group that they're with, I know I keep harping on it in terms of Walking Dead. And there are other apocalypse things that we could definitely call on. Reign of Fire, for one, that has dragons instead of zombies. So it's a very different sort of world. But those yeah. are the two big worlds, Reign of Fire and Walking Dead. So I think as reference points, that's kind of what we got to go towards. But slightly more seriously, Walking Dead uh, <laughs> is something that I do think you get a lot of vibes here in particular where things are even paced out and the tension is there without the zombies, which I think is actually kind of impressive that you could do that yeah. without that looming threat there. It's just humans in the background. And they get that through also that scene of 355 talking to the scavengers at the camp, where it just feels like it's it's a match that could go off at absolutely any second when they're talking down to 355 with her gun. And I believe she has a gun on her back. Uh, and we don't know what the scavengers have, exactly what's going on with them, up until Yorick makes his dumb move of running out with a stick, a baseball bat, and going after them, whatever. Stick, stick. probably. Uh, Not a lot of baseball bats lying around in the woods. Yeah, Uh, but a stick is just a baseball bat that needs a little work. Hmm. And when you think about it, Alex, actually, a human is just a zombie whose bite turns you into a human. Hmm. I do go around biting people and they're like, oh, God, I'm changing into myself. Yeah. You're helping me remain human, you (laughs) biter. Yeah. I like to get bit every 24 hours if I can just to make sure that I stay human. Yeah. Human bites. Here's the thing that we haven't explored is do human bites. If a human bites a zombie, does that turn them human? That's a TV show. Bite. Hey, Walking Dead writers. Bite those zombies. Maybe they're getting to the final season. Maybe that's what's going to happen. Eugene will be like, oh, should we try biting them? Let's bite them. And then they go around biting zombies and they're like, thank you. 
<laughs> I, I'm rotten. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm fine now. My name's Steve. <laughs> what have you guys been doing? How long have I been sleeping? <laughs> Several years, I guess? Oh, or boy. Months? I don't have much of a face, I gotta be honest with you. Oh, does my flesh come back in this scenario? We'll discuss that <laughs> later. We'll figure it yeah. out. Don't worry about it. In any case, back to why the last man, though. Yes, I think there's a lot of tension throughout these scenes. I do like everybody coming together here. I do like Nora getting a little bit more of a purpose, even if it is the purpose of hooking, hooking up with Hero and Sam. Um, and also, we finally get to the thing that I've wanted since episode one, which is 355 and Yorick on the road. Yes. And I do think... Even though Yorick continues to be very annoying, like we talked about last episode, it's the right kind of annoying here. Yes, and I actually, I liked Yorick a lot better in this episode. I think when it's a little whittled down and we get our duo here, um, they can he can play off 355 better than he can play off his mom and all the different people he was being sort of a spoiled kid in front mm-hmm. of. With 355, he has a little more agency, and I think he has a, the moral high ground once he realized that she... Totally killed those helicopter pilots. Yeah. And so it gives them a little bit of interplay, which I think is something that has made it hard to like Yorick before. He's still Harder. being an idiot in this episode, like straight up an idiot. I know that he thinks he sees Beth, but he clearly doesn't. And chasing after her as hard as he does, shouting her name. I understand that's what he wants. That's what he's going after. But... It's very much like a puppy, the way that he's acting here. 355 being like, now stay. And he's like, okay, ooh, what's that? What's that over there? Is that a squirrel? And then running after the squirrel constantly throughout the episode. His move, he doesn't need to save 355 for those two scavengers. Maybe it's a little bit more about not letting her kill them, I think, is what's going on there. That's what I thought, yeah. Yeah. He was like, because he could see that she was about to do it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she would have shot them. And I think he, then he gets to be this sort of more her conscience in a way. And it's something that I think she sort of needs here. She does feel like she is willing to say or do anything to just follow her mission to the letter of the law. When it's like, hey, we don't need to kill these people. They're not a threat to us, really. They're just here. Um, so I like that. That's the relationship from the comics. And the fact that we have to see Yorick be stupid a lot. It's part of the character, and I, I know it's a bad idea for him to run past someone who just has, like, similar hair to Beth. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that doesn't mean that I'm like, oh, I don't like him for doing that. I'm like, this is his thing. It's, it is foolish. It's innocent. And the conversation that he and 355 have about, um, like, male privilege, specifically white male privilege here, uh, I thought was great and sort of illustrates how he can be reckless or he could be reckless back in the day. But now he's the most important person in the room for real now. You just thought you were before when you were a spoiled dude. But you actually are the most important person in the room and you have to protect yourself. And ultimately, the place that they end up at at the end of the episode, I think, is really good and gets to the point that we're talking about where they're meeting in the middle in a certain way. When 345 agrees, after all this is over, I'm going to help you find Beth. That's as big of a consolation prize, I think, is she can give him at this point. But like you're saying, yes, she is in a very different situation. The support system that she clearly had, we've only seen a little bit of it, but her whole organization clearly had units everywhere, multiple people. Even if they were out on their own, she was like, mission, 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 mission. And now this is her only thing. So I think she realizes 
she needs that rudder. And that gets to the big thing that we should probably talk about with 355, which is what's going on with her. She is sleepwalking. She's wandering through the woods. We start off the episode with a dancing and singing sequence. So what's your theory? What's going on with 355 right now? I think because we do have some mysteries there, her connection to the Culper ring, and it feels like that was her support system. And if she had any sort of relationships in her life, it was with the people she worked with, mm-hmm. like a lot of us. Um, and then we have the envelope with the address. I got to think that's someone important to her on a personal basis and not just a mission related thing. So I think she is, you know, her job and the person that she's become is deviating even harder in this post-apocalyptic world from the person that she was or the person that she maybe wants to be who has real relationships in, a, in her life. Well, what about the dancing and singing, though? Because I think there's a couple of different ways you could take that. She doesn't seem loathe to have a dancing partner there. She's certainly front and center, if you want to look at it metaphorically. The other person is shaded, they're in shadow, so you don't know exactly who they are. So it's not, in my mind, it's not necessarily about her worrying being subjugated by somebody else, but it does seem like she feels like she's in the spotlight, but maybe she does need somebody else to be with her, potentially. Yeah, that's what I I feel like she has isolated herself from every, I think she has a tendency to do that, and now she, A, can't because of Yorick, but whatever person is in her life, I think maybe she will draw a little bit of a lesson from York's obsession with Beth mm-hmm. that she needs to seek out that person or a little bit of interpersonal <laughs> something. Otherwise, she's going to, you know, you need a partner. You need someone or a series of someones in your life to just be social and uh, not slip off the edge into darkness. What about the wandering in the woods and not sleeping? I, I have a couple of theories I could throw out at you. Please. All right. So first of all, it could just be the pressure of everything that's going on, that she has never had this much on her shoulders before. And that's why things are coming out in dreams about dancing and singing, wandering through the woods, potentially seeing things. She's not sleeping well. She certainly seems like the sort of person that only sleeps an hour or two a night anyway, you know? Healthy. Yeah. Uh, but... At the same time, I think this is a lot for any human being to take on what she's doing right now. So these things just might be coming out that way. The other possibility, which is a wilder theory that I don't know that there's necessarily backing for, is if the Culpering had some sort of medicinal training regimen or some sort of drugging thing that was going on, maybe they needed to check in and get, you know, their pills every couple of weeks or something like that. Maybe if she's not getting that, that's something that's affecting her in some way. I don't wow. buy that, but just to throw it out there. That's a big theory. I, I'm, I think that's cool. Um, but I tend to think it's a little bit more about her guilt that she's just murders people all the time and uh, and not being able to deal with that. Because I do think that's what Yorick can actually help her with. Um, and showing, like, you don't need to just lie to everyone all the time. You can just be a little bit more straight up. Because I think she does tell Yorick that she will... She, Watches his magic trick, mm-hmm. which is like clearly something I'm like, oh, she doesn't care about this. She's no. trying to keep it cool between them. And I think she says she's going to help him find Beth. I think I think in her mind, she's like, no way I'm going to actually do that. But she wants to do that, say that to him so that he'll stop running off, chasing her, chasing fake hers. And he can like listen to her because he'll think, oh, she's going to help me later. I'll listen to her now. So mm-hmm. it feels like a device. 
So I do want to mention one more thing, uh, one little, not even a quibble, just sort of a comparison point with this storyline, and then we should probably move on and talk about Hero and Sam and everything that's going on there. So we got a market sequence here, and I know last episode I mentioned Sweet Tooth, another post-apocalyptic series based on a Vertigo comic book that came out about around the same time. Um, I think it's interesting to me that Sweet Tooth had a market sequence in one of its episodes. This also has a market sequence in one of its episodes. They're not necessarily... Mm. They kind of hit some of the same beats in a certain way. Um, So that's all. It's more of an observation than anything, that I guess these are tropes, potentially, of this sort of format. But it's weird that both of these shows went that place. Everyone needs a market. Alex, it's a great place to go and shop. You want to um, bite, get bite and get bitten, whether you're biting a zombie or a human. Um, there's a little bit of fun danger there. I mean, ever there's single people out there, and the market is a, a singles hotspot in any post or pre-apocalypse. I couldn't agree more. Why don't we move on and talk <laughs> about two hot singles in our area? Hero and Sam and what's going on with them during their journey. So lots of things to dig into here as Hero refuses the call of being a hero, very much so, to the point that she almost uh, feels like a villain in this show right now. How do you feel about where she is? I feel, I mean, she does some heroic things. Um, Obviously, she she tries to save this person's life. She tries to help um, the daughter's leg, like... I don't think she's a bad person. I think she is rightfully fearful of the world. I, th- I think the reason she breaks that car is she's like, we are out ahead of our skis in like a million ways here. I don't think driving around is going to be the best move for us, especially not a car with eyelashes, <laughs> which that car had eyelashes over the headlights. Which is very cool. I, I think we're disagreeing here, but I thought it was awesome because it makes it, it reminds me of Lightning McQueen, the character from the movie mm. Cars who is, yeah. I would argue, the greatest fictional character of all time. Yes, you said that. It's um, uh, David Copperfield, mm-hmm. the, the, from char- the, book. the fictional character from yeah. the book, not the magician. Yeah. Though he would be a great uh, great cameo on this show. Absolutely. Right? Why the Other Last magicians. Man and also David Copperfield? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm here. Yeah. Ta-da! Man, I how would that make Yorick feel? Yorick would be like, oh, man, my magic isn't as good. Well, he is an escape artist, not a magician. Oh, okay. I'll have you know. All Let's right. never Sorry about that. that. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, greatest character in fiction. Yeah, so are you saying you think that was a, an actual Cars car in the garage and Hero went and killed it? <laughs> <laughs> is that why you don't like Hero? <laughs> yeah, I think so. She killed Lightning McQueen. She killed Mater, the other character I could remember from that, and Paul Good. Newman's character. Nice. Um, and yeah, Bonnie... And- no, Bedelia? No. Why are you, what are you doing? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to remember actors from Cars? I'm like, here's a life preserver. Bonnie Hunt, like, Bonnie no. Hunt, Bonnie Hunt. Yeah. There you go. Here's anyway, a life preserver, Alex, and you're like, I'll just press my face further down into the world. No, you're right. She's not necessarily a villain here, but I would disagree. I think she's doing stuff for more selfish reasons than you're giving her credit for. She doesn't want to see her mom, and she's not thinking about yeah. Sam here and what Sam 
literally needs in terms of getting testosterone. And as we've already established, the only place to get testosterone is the president of the United States. So they have to head there. But regardless, this is what Sam wants. This is what Sam needs. And instead, she's like, come on, let's stay in the house for one night. Come on, let me cut the brakes of the car or whatever. And and that's not why you saying what are her selfish reasons? Herself, literally thinking about herself and yeah, and her fear of her mom, which she explains later on in the episode. But that is not thinking about what Sam needs to the point that she hooks up with Sam, which I do wonder. We don't know a lot of their backstory, but I got the implication here. This is maybe something Sam has kind of wanted for a while. And Hero is giving it to him as a way of saying, let's stay here in this house. Yeah, uh, I agree with you there. Um, and maybe I'm giving her too much credit, but because I do think them heading toward Washington is dangerous. And mm-hmm. as we see, the, just the, the way they're moving now gets them uh, sort of taken hostage and all very close to being just killed in the barn. So, um, so I think it's somewhere in the middle. Like, she is being selfish and wants to avoid her mom, but there is some truth to the fact that going to being like, hi, I'm the president's daughter is a bad move. Yeah, as we see at the end of the episode with this great moment with Nora, where she totally knew that those names were fake, had already ID'd her as Hero, uh, the president's daughter, and just whispers to her real quick. I, I thought that was a great moment mm-hmm. uh, to close out the episode. Yeah, I really agree with that, as well as the reveal that they are in a Costco-style place, because, of course, where else would you want to hide out in the post-apocalypse, at least for a little while? They got those great fruit trays, cheese uh-huh. plates. Oh, look at all the chips. Uh, believe me, oh, my yeah. eyes went right to the chips because I'm not even in a post-apocalyptic situation. Mm-hmm. But if when I just saw that amount of chips that I would have full access to, that just flipped my lid. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you been in a Costco recently? Because we are living through a global pandemic. And I actually went into one the other day because my wife got a membership. We live about two blocks away from a Costco. That feels wow. like the apocalypse right there. I hate that place. It's terrible. Really? Oh, my God. Why? Well, okay, too much stuff, too much stuff. First of all, going in there and being like, what I want right now is 48 Pop-Tarts is not a reasonable thing to think as a human being. Like, I understand right. buying in bulk. It's cheaper. I get it. I get the utility of it. But the carts are enormous. Nobody knows where they're walking. They don't know where they're walking normally in a supermarket and then multiply that by three times the size. It's overpacked. People are in a panic mode constantly with everything and all over the place. Awful. Awful, awful So place. You're, you're less of a doomsday prepper and more of like a one-day prepper. Mm-hmm. You're like, I would like one Pop-Tart, individually wrapped, please, <laughs> and I'll take just one little scoop of coffee for my morning, and then that's all I have to think of today. Oh, I'm very well aware if the world actually falls, uh, I'm done for. I'm out of here. Like, this is, this is the end of me. I'm the guy who dies at the beginning of the first episode, blood gushing out of his mouth and nose and eyes, and then the world moves on without me. So I only need that one Pop-Tart. Right. I like the idea that you blood comes out of your eyes and everyone's like, what? This isn't even this is just a <laughs> zombie. Like, there's no reason that's yeah, happening to him. We're just in line ordering pizza. What are you doing, bud? His body just rejected yeah. anything. happening. <laughs> just no, a long line. I will. I will come and save you. Guide your family to the safety of my basement here in the middle of overpacked Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> Well, regardless, I do think the reveal here, like you're talking about, was really nice of the Costco place and the way that was rolled out, just going through the curtain and then coming into this enormous area when you think they are in like 
dilapidated, broken down warehouse scarcity situation. And it couldn't be farther from that. So that's going to be a very interesting thing, I think, to watch going forward. Well, and that whole group feels like stressful. Um, this boss uh, woman, I'm curious to see where she factors in. Will they discover that um, her name is not Karen uh, after all, but it is Hero Brown? Um, there's a lot of potential there uh, for the future. And just jumping back, um, the moment where they confront Nora, or they find Nora in the sort of burned or hollowed out pharmacy, we almost had a Pennywise situation here. We get a red ball bouncing out. I was oh, like, yeah. Oh, you thought maybe this world had Pennywises. I thought we had a Pennywise problem on our Oh, hands. man. Because, you know, when any, you see any sort of bouncing ball, it's like, well, mm-hmm. this is clearly a childhood nightmare horror movie. Absolutely. Situation. Same thing with balloons. Whenever I see balloons, I'm like, no, Pennywise, yeah. in the area. I'm always saying, like, is there going to, when we're like, oh, we have to go to the this uh, child's birthday party. I'm like, is there going to be a Pennywise there? Mm-hmm. And my wife's like, no Pennywises. My wife does the same thing whenever I stick my arm down a sewer grate. She's yeah. like, be careful, Pennywises. So I guess actually our wives are opposites. Opposite. But I will say, reaching your hand into a sewer grate is putting your... It's like walking into the lion's den when it comes to a Pennywise situation. Yeah. You're I mean, asking for a Pennywise. There's that cool hole. Where does it go? What's going on with it? You know, you want to kind oh, of like feel curious. around to that thing. Oh, wow. You are the most vulnerable to a Pennywise <laughs> of a person I've ever heard. The other day, I actually, I stuck my hand down a sewer grate. Blood just started coming right out of my eyes. And I was like, oh, this is it. Give me a pop tart. <laughs> the, your apocalypse is just reaching just a little like too far. Little into bubble. Yeah. Uh, all right. Before we wrap up here, as always, let's talk about who's the man? Who's the man in this week's episode, Justin? Uh, mm, I think I really liked. Uh, I feel like this is a Yorick episode. This is mm-hmm. where Yorick really came into focus for me. Settling into the relationship with 355, I feel like um, this was the character that I was excited to see change the most in this episode. And um, I feel like we're in a good place. We've moved past some of the more annoying tendencies and into uh, I can really follow uh, he and 355 as they explore this uh, manless world. Despite what I said, I'm going to give it up for Hero this episode because I do think the motivations that are going on with her and the moves that she's making are very interesting and very atypical of a character in a post-apocalypse story. We usually tend to focus on the people who are selfless and anybody else is a villain. She's clearly not like you were pointing out, but it really straddles this line in very different directions. And there's a lot of complex things going on with her that I'm excited to see how they play out going forward, particularly now that they are part of this new group forever long that lasts or at the very least interacting with Nora. That should be interesting. Well, let me ask you, do you think that Hero and York are going to see each other sooner rather than later? Mm. It feels it feels like we're getting close to that. And I can't believe this early in the series we are. I don't know if you're correct about the shoulder shot. And I think you are. If anything, they might be heading off in different directions. And but Mm. I do think the series is potentially setting them up for a collision course where they're on opposite sides of something. Because this group, if Hero sticks with it, seems to be very, well, end of the world, gotta stock up, gotta, you know, get our guns and kill anybody who's gonna hold us back, versus Yorick, who is this avatar of life in a certain way, 
and is lifting 355 up out of the muck she was in, potentially other people as well. So if Yorick is the positive light and Hero is the negative light, it might be interesting to see them clash at some point in the future. So if we have our sort of field group on the road, where does that leave Diane Lane and the Washington crew? Are they going to be... I don't see them leaving where they are. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we have a whole political intrigue thing, and it feels like maybe we're going to jump back to that next episode, and that's going to be all focused on that. Um, But it feels like these plots are moving in very different directions, and we're not going to see Diane Lane, except for maybe way at the end of this first season, Mm. finally finding her children. Potentially, or it could be a situation where everybody is gunning for Yorick and Diane Lane. This information has come out about Yorick, potentially to the wrong parties. The power has flipped. She is now out of power. And what does that mean for our heroes, both literal and figurative going forward? But, mm. but I don't know. We still have another six episodes to go. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We'd love to chat with you about Why the Last Man. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, why the cast, man? Why the cast, man? Avoid the Pennywise situations in your life. 